Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. And for all you great hockey fans out there, we're keeping to our weekly schedule of an episode every week. We have lots to talk about, so let's just get right to the subjects at hand this week. It's safe to say that anyone who questioned naming Dick Suzuki as captain of the Montreal Canadiens now clearly understand why he was named captain and what a perfect choice he was as captain. Not only has it not affected his play or the caliber or quality of it, his demeanor and personality are awesome off the charts for his age and he also has an amazing communications ability with the media and relates to them very very well on the level of a 10 year plus player not a lot of players in Suzuki's age bracket have been able to achieve that he has not seemed out of place even in the least the time has also arrived for a significant change in societal judgment as the level of error is an exponential embarrassment however it does have a delightful cannon fodder result with resulting in an effect that just screams out the pure inaccuracy of people being judged. As an example, just look at the continued success of not only Nick Suzuki, but the astronomical inaccuracy of how Cole Caulfield, Arbor Jacki, Jordan Harris, and Caden Gooley were all being rated and prejudged prior to training camp and then throughout training camp, and how none of them stood a chance, certainly not all three of them, of making the Canadians opening day roster i guess the inaccuracy has been felt far and wide with that that kind of prejudging arrogance has definitely come back with the vengeance and has really bitten people really really hard that said those guys and the three rookie defensemen in particular had no chance in making the 2022-2023 montreal canadians opening day roster not only have they but they have played beyond their years they have been honestly the best three defensemen on the roster by far and that includes all the veterans now that Joel Edmondson and Mike Matheson have come back, it should not just be Arbor Akjai, Jordan Harris, or Caden Gooley that have to sit out games and rotate in and out of the lineup. It should also include Matheson, Joel Edmondson, David Savard, Chris Weidman, Jonathan Kovacevic. There are no exceptions. All eight defensemen, until they trade a couple of them, should be rotating through that. Just because there's veterans on the team does not mean they have any special place. And again, to be quite honest with you, Jack Eye, Harris, and Gooley have outshined all those defensemen. Now, it's not fair to say that with Matheson right now because he has just come back for the first time. Although I've appreciated from day one his skating ability and the fluidness and transition of his game, his plus-minus totals since he's come back are nothing to write home about. He's been on the ice for a lot of the goals against recently, so he should not have a escape clause as far as sitting out either. So I don't want to see these three rookie defensemen. Well, you know, they're rookies. They're the youngest. They can use this as a learning opportunity. They've done nothing to indicate that they need a learning lesson or opportunity. They have played well beyond the expectation of not only all the people that judge them in accuracy, but people's ability to think that they were or were not ready for the NHL. They are clearly ready. And I'll actually go so far to say as Jackye and Harris have been the best of the entire defensemen. I know that there's some Caden Gooley lovers out there, and I love Gooley as well, but I think Jacka and Harris have even played better than he has. But all three of them have played very, very well, including not only in individual shifts, but on the power play, as shutdown defensemen, and have certainly exceeded the playing minutes that anybody thought that they would get as well, as several of them have averaged 20-plus or 21 minutes-plus a game, which is exceptional for 
a rookie defenseman, to say the least. Here's one that I bet would raise some eyebrows out there. Undoubtedly, Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki have been the catalyst for the Canadiens' offense this year. There's no question about it. They have taken the bull by the horns, and they've ran with it, and they are the drivers of that offense. That being said, if somebody said to me right now, who would you vote for for the MVP for the team? Even though we're not that far into the season yet. I mean, we are a quarter of a way through it, but not that far. I would say Arbor Jacki is my vote for team MVP, even above Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. And for those that say, oh my God, how could you say that? Because his presence on the ice represents an entirely different transformation of everybody else's play on the ice. Not only is he a physical force, he's got a blistering cannon as a shot. He holds his own and finally again, not since the days of Chris Nylon, Lyle Odlin, and John Cordick, has there been a player on the ice that demands other players from other organizations respect. Not only does Montreal play different on the ice when Jack Eyes in games and on the ice, but his presence on the ice changes the very way the opposition plays the team. Not only do they have to account for him, but they know if they throw any cheap shots at Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, or anybody else, he's going to be there to stay more than, you shouldn't be doing that. He's going to remind them of why they shouldn't do that and probably put them out of the game. And I'm totally okay with that. I'm completely okay with players enforcing the safety of their teammates and making sure their organizations are not taking advantage of. He is not a goon even remotely by the definition of that term. He's not a Stu Grimson. He's not a Lyle Odlin or a John Cordick. Those guys had fighting skills and that's what they were primarily known for. Jack Eye is a great skater. He's got excellent lateral movement. He's got a blistering cannon for the shot. He's a good transitioning defenseman in addition to his physical skills. That is truly a rare, unique player with a unique blend of abilities. For anybody that's ever heard that we found a diamond in the rough comment or description, Arbor Jacki is truly that player. That was one of the greatest finds by any team in recent history without a doubt. Since we're on the discussion and focusing currently on the three young defensemen, there was a bizarre rumor I saw something about the Canadians were going to trade Jordan Harris because he becomes an RFA at the end of this season. And one, you know, since Montreal has so many defensive products, somebody's got to go. No, they don't. Harris can play both right and left defense. So that opens him up to a flexibility that a lot of other prospects don't have. And before the organization goes trading anybody, let's just see how everybody else is going to play out. I have a tremendous amount of confidence that Logan Mylou is going to be a great right defenseman and probably the perfect defensive partner for, if not Caden Gooley, probably Arbor Jacki. I think Montreal has a tremendous prospect in Lane Hudson. But before anybody gets excited about Lane Hudson, Lane Hudson is extremely small. Yes, he's extremely skilled and gifted, but he has a lot of work to do on the physical side of the game to prepare himself so he does not get unnecessarily injured and something either happens to or greatly shortens his career. I would love to see him play for a solid decade in Montreal. I look forward to all the skills that he'll bring to the team. He had a tremendous training camp, was an immediate success, but he has a lot of physical needs to address before he can safely play in the NHL. 
because I don't want to see the kid's career ended any earlier than the day he wants to retire just because he's played so many years at that point. So I have little doubt that Lane Hudson won't take advantage of the four years of eligibility that start this year at Boston College. I think that will be a tremendous experience and readying team to prepare him properly for the NHL. Speaking of players, injuries, and inaccurate judgment of players, let's talk about Yuri Slavkovsky. I want to know where did all the people go that said, oh, the Canadians should have drafted Shane Wright. You're going to regret that. Montreal management has no idea what they're doing. Where did all those people go? What rock did they hide under? Because there has been no sounds at all from any of those. It's been crickets, basically. To quote an old-time TV commercial, so quiet you can hear a pin drop. And those people have just been voiceless all of a sudden. And, as it turns out, Shane Wright has had an issue adjusting to the NHL. And it's not like he doesn't have opportunity. He is playing for a second-year expansion team, so there should be plenty of space for him. Maybe the coaching staff is bringing him along slowly. Maybe they're not. Maybe he's just having a problem adjusting to the NHL game as many people have said in the past it is a much faster much more progressive game that you have to see and visualize a lot more than just the anticipation that you may have at another level although that's important it's a multi-dimensional game at the nhl level and oh by the way he's on his way to the ahl currently as a conditioning assignment which i think matches up very nicely with the timing of the world juniors tournament which I have no doubt he'll be heading to afterwards. He will undoubtedly have an excellent junior world tournament. I'm sure he'll play very well. He'll be one of the central pieces of the puzzle for the Canadian team, but it will serve him well. Maybe that's the startup or maybe that's the igniter that he needs to having success in the NHL in his first season. But I think we can stop with, oh my God, you're going to regret this and the Canadian should have drafted him. Yarav Sapkowski and Shane Wright were drafted by the perfect organizations for each one of them. Seattle now has a tremendous one-two center punch as does Montreal, because Suzuki's firmly entrenched as number one, and I believe Kirby Dock is going to be in, firmly entrenched as the number two center, eventually, because you will have left-wingers making the team, such as Sean Farrell, Yuri Savkoski is already there, and once he gets top six consistent minutes, I think his game is going to even improve more than it already has. Because Slavkoski has been a solid player on the team. He's not lighting it up offensively, but he's continued to get better and better and better every game. He's adjusted more to the NHL. He's adjusted to its speed. Being a European, at no matter what level this would have occurred at, he would have had to adjust to a different ice surface size. That's one of the concerns that European players have and is always a little bit of a transition. All of them have had to do that. That's nothing new. But Yuri Slavkovsky has also been the perfect person for Montreal to draft, not only because they need a left winger, and not only because he'll either play on the current line of Suzuki with Caulfield at some point, or he'll find his way to the second line with some of the other great prospects that we'll get into here in a little bit. But he's the perfect match for the city of Montreal. He has that infectious smile. He has that perfect personality that people just want to instantly be around him, that draws people to him. He loves the media. He loves spending time with him. They love spending time with him. It is a match made perfectly 
for him. You couldn't get any better than that. And for a player to be that drawn to the media and work with them and be that open to and that they like talking to in that city, that truly is unique and great for everybody involved. Okay, that is truly a rare and unusual scenario. Sometimes people have to be coaxed into or made to kind of like move in a certain direction of, well, you know, you got to do this. You got to get along with these people. You have to kind of integrate with them. He just does it naturally. There is no help needed in that at all, which has been, I'm sure, very refreshing for local Montreal media. In addition to his playing skills getting better and better, he's also kind of like hitting a brick wall. At six foot four, 240 pounds already, as an 18-year-old, just imagine how big he's going to get. And he's already got really skilled hands and passing skills to go along with that. So as his comfort grows, so will he as a player. He will not be one of those one-trick ponies, as they like to say. He will be a very complete player. And again, Martin St. Louis, there could not be a better coach for him that will not only allow him the freedom to blossom, but will also help him learn how to help his skills excel for other teammates as well as showcase his own game, which will be fantastic. So if you don't see him on a line with Suzuki and Caulfield, my guess is you'll see him on a line with his childhood friend, Philip Mazar, Jan Mysek at center, and Yarav Sokoski cementing the left wing. Think about that for a second. You have Nick Suzuki at center, Cole Caulfield on the right, most likely Sean Farrell on the left. Let's just say hypothetically for the moment, that's your number one line. You follow that with Philip Massar on the right, Jan Mysik at center, and Yarav Sokoski on the left. Wow, what a top six. That would be outstanding. And finally, also all those other people that sit there and say, oh, you know, Montreal doesn't have a superstar. Yeah, they do. Those two lines could be exactly that. And we haven't even talked about Riley Kidney, Owen Beck, Joshua Roy. There is just a ton of talent coming. So not only is there what's already arrived in Montreal this season, what continues to arrive next year, and what the Montreal Canadiens draft in 2023 is going to be unbelievable and amazing to watch. In addition to those players, again, you have Lane Hudson, you have Logan Mylou, you have Vince's Roar, you have Cedric Wadon. You have the great beginning of an incredible roster right through at least 80% of it. And then you have Xavier Simino from Laval, who's enjoying a solid year in Laval. Jason Struble having another solid year and is in his senior year at Northeastern. Even in goal, you have Frederick Deschau, you have Jacob Dobbs, you have Joe Verbetic, you have Emmett Crotu. There's a lot of talent. And it's funny, especially with the goaltenders, everybody's like, oh, well, all those guys are like fifth round or later uh, draft picks. Okay, Henrik Lundqvist was a seventh round pick. What's your point? People get carried away too much of draft position. It's like, well, you only acquired a fifth round pick in that trade for fill in the blank, the player that you traded. You know what? Fifth round and seventh round picks can become as star studded and as important as first round picks can. Let's take a look at a couple of fifth round picks and seventh round picks that have done well in Montreal in recent years. Brendan Gallagher. 147th overall in the 2010 NHL entry draft, fifth round pick. Jake Evans, also in Montreal, seventh round pick, 214th overall in the 2014 draft. Caden Primo, and I didn't mention him in the goaltending prospects, he was a seventh round pick in his draft. So Montreal has done really, really well with 
high mid to later round draft picks. As a matter of fact, in some draft years, they've done better with those picks than they have with the early picks. There's also many people, apparently, that believe general manager Kent Hughes has to start making trades immediately as if there's some kind of like timing punch card that you can't do it after this particular time of date or you've missed the opportunity. I'm not understanding where that's coming from. There is no rush to trade any of these players. The Canadians still have three plus months to maximize the value of every player, not only for trade value, but to maximize what they can get out of them and the best way that they can serve the organization while they're still there. So there is no hurry up and make this trade scenario. As, as a lot of these so-called extra players have been referred to. They can use them in injury fill-ins. They can use them so that the development disruptions of other prospects within the organizations are minimal, if not eliminate them at all. They can be slowly traded away and filtered out of the organization when it best suits the organization. They can be sent down to the AHL for so-called conditional assignments. Not only are there the traditional players such as Mike Hoffman, Jonathan Drouin, Evgeny Donatov, and Joel Armia, but I think there's a lot of other players involved in moving out of Montreal potentially this year. For example, I truly believe Josh Anderson, Christian Dvorak, and Sean Monaghan can all bring back first-round picks and more to Montreal in draft asset capital. In addition to that, the Hoffmans, Drouins, Donatovs, Armia, Joel Edmondson, Jake Evans, Chris Weidman, Brendan Gallagher, and maybe even David Savard. And everybody's like, well, why? These players are older. These players cost more. You've got players that are ready to step into their positions in the very near future, if not now. So taking a page out of, say, the Patriots book in the NFL, trade players that were you thinking about trading at that particular moment? No, but they might bring you more. They might give you a higher return on the trade because another organization wants that player to fill in a specific need on that team's roster. Okay, so there's all kinds of different reasons that come into play here. So there's apparently people that want to just see players traded to like cut down the amount of players. At this point, it's young. It's early in the season. A lot of injuries could happen between now and then. Hey, and if Ken Hughes gets a great offer for one of those players, fantastic, take it. But if he doesn't, don't just make the trade just to make the trade. I still believe there's a lot of leveraging that he can do. He's been very smart in every trade that he's made. Virtually every trade that he's made has brought back tremendous asset and draft pick uh, assets. I believe that every trade he's made has been done with thought and not just random. He's not that kind of person. Everything that he's done to me looks like it's had a tremendous amount of thought in it, which is one of the reasons why I have so much confidence in Ken Hughes, Jeff Gordon, and the player development department that they put together, their scouting staff. If you look at the drafts, even the last three drafts that precede the current new management and the draft that the new management had this year in 2022, those are four very impressive drafts. I can't think of a team that did a better job drafting than the Canadians have done for the last four years, especially. And there's also been gems in previous drafts, like Jordan Harris, third round pick, 2018 draft that we talked about in last episode. There's been a tremendous drafting that the Canadians have had. So their problem has not been drafting, has not been acquiring the right players in the draft. It's been developing 
those players before anybody has a stroke on that. Yes, Alex Galchenyuk and Yaspiri Kakanyemi turned out to be wastes at the third pick overall. I don't think that's going to happen even remotely with Yarav Slavkowski. I think now the Canadians and the organization understand that it's not just drafting them, it's developing them. And that's what the new management team is going to bring to the organization that's been missing since the days of the Nova Scotia Voyagers AHL team when the Canadians' development program and AHL prospects were better than most other teams' starting NHL players. They'll be getting back to that. I know there might be some people that want to see Montreal obtain prospects or players from their rosters of other organizations. That's not what I want to see Montreal do. This is a rebuild. The young players have taken the ball and run with it. They are driving the team. They are the best players on the team. And just in case anybody's forgotten, as a team, as with the case with any club, you can only have a maximum of 50 contracts at any given time. So Montreal, although there are teams closer to that number, there's not a tremendous amount of room there so I don't want to clog that up with other prospects from other teams knowing that Montreal's management and drafting abilities from their scouting department are among the best in the league if not the best in some cases I would rather give them the benefit of the doubt they will find what they need exactly which by finding them and drafting them will provide the organization more flexibility and not have to sign them or have another contract immediately tying their hands because that's something they're currently running through with all the extra players on the team that they currently have and that's something that they I'm sure don't want to repeat and have to deal with again on that note I am your host Steven Stiles thanks again for tuning into episode 21 have a fantastic weekend